Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee. And the opening bell brought to you by SEI. Imagine when asset management servicing is unconstrained by infrastructure. See how SEI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business expansion at SEIC.com slash imagine. Stocks are higher at the open. The S&P 500 up a tenth of a percent or two points to 1996. Dow Jones Industrial Average up a tenth of a percent or 17 points to 16,966. The Nasdaq up almost two tenths percent or Seven points to 47.14. Ten-year Treasury down 9.30 seconds. The yield 1.86 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.86 percent. Nymex crude oil is up about eight tenths percent, or nine dollars thirty cents to 12.67. Actually, that was Comex Gold. Comex Gold is up seven tenths percent, or nine dollars forty cents to 12.67.70 an ounce. Nymex crude oil is up eight tenths percent, or 26 cents to 34.85 a barrel. The euro is at a dollar The yen is at 113.76. Tom and Mike. Karen Roscoe, thank you very much. Well, this is really exciting because every jobs day uh, we have our usual gang of analysts, and they're all here today. Muhammad um, has come to the mountains for uh, for a change. Scott Mathers, chief investment officer at PIMCO, made his way all the way from Newport Beach into the snowstorm uh, here in New York. Not that it's snowing that hard, but it's still not Newport Beach weather, and has joined us here in studio. Thank you for coming in, uh, m- making that effort. I noticed you tweeted that you'd be on at 6.30 a.m. You're thinking Pacific time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it is 9.30 here. The jobs numbers today, we're seeing a reaction in the markets. Ten-year uh, note yield is uh, down about a quarter of a point at this point. Uh, yield is up to 1.87%. How high do we go? How much do we read into the strength of the economy right now? Yeah, it is sort of a strange market reaction uh, from my perspective. I mean, markets sort of yawned at this number. I guess they don't know what to make of the fact that there's a lot of jobs being created, but wages appear to be down, the work week's down. Um, so that's why we're unchanged. But I think it's the type of employment number that definitely puts the Fed back in play. Uh, it certainly does. What do you no, mean by that? That's an important In play th- is this month or? Well, I, I doubt March, uh, but certainly June. And I think that we'll hear more about that uh, at this upcoming meeting. So, uh, you know, I think markets are a little bit unprepared for that and a little bit uh, uh, too sanguine about the possibility of the Fed being on the move in the summertime again. Certainly not the type of employment number, though, that indicates uh, there's a recession you know, on the horizon. And, of course, that was the concern, uh, you know, just a month ago. So uh, we think it's much more reasonable that the Fed uh, manages to, to move two or three times this year. Uh, and the market's not even priced for the full hike until, you know, basically first quarter, end of first quarter of next year. Uh, so there's quite a disconnect between where the market is, where we think the Fed will be, and then further where the Fed thinks they'll be. What? Uh, where should we be then? What, where, if, if you were... If you were the market, where would you set the the yield? Well, I, I think that it's reasonable to expect uh, the Fed still wants to move about once a quarter until they get to a level of, of rates they believe is neutral, uh, which we think is, is somewhere around 2%. The Fed sort of thinks that that's the number, too. Uh, they talk about 0% real uh, being the right number. So as we progress through the year and as inflation goes back up, headline inflation goes back up uh, to, to the Fed's target of around 2%, um, you know, by that time, in theory, they should be at neutral. That would be the end of the year. That, uh, that's the question, though, is how fast does it get there? Because 
the the whole debate is over whether the Fed moves earlier to head it off or whether they wait and have to move faster. Well, right. And the longer they wait, they're, they're going to be facing uh, some, you know, some impossible, uh, some impossible situations, right? Imagine if we do begin to see inflation uh, move up to target, in fact, ex- exceed target, uh, and yet they're only at uh, 75 basis points. And telling the market that neutral is at, uh, you know, long-term neutral is uh-huh. at three and a half and they're, and, and short-term might be at two percent. I think there, you know, what you could see happening, sort of what we, how we think this plays out is that the market will, will move from being overly obsessed about deflationary risks to putting a decent probability on the Fed, uh, allowing or maybe engineering an overshoot of inflation for a few years. And that seems quite likely. That shift will probably, uh, happen over the course of this year. Scott, your, your background at Penn is in material science engineering, in the absolute textbook, which which I waded through a zillion years ago, it seems, and statics and dynamics and forces and friction and all that was Goldstein. What what I don't get is the inertial forces we're in right now. Things are so messed up. We've got a great distortion. We've got financial repression. Now we have negative interest rates overlaid upon that. How can you as a pro work within the Newtonian mechanics, physics, and engineering of all the theory you and I learned where we are right now. Tell us how you do that day-to-day at PIMCO, if you don't know where the risk-free rate is, just as one example. Well, that's a good question. I mean, there is no textbook theory to explain. There's nothing to go off of at your Monday morning meeting at PIMCO. Right. Well, it's, you know, I guess it's one of the reasons we see the dangers of uh, zero and negative interest rate policy uh, growing over time. It's a function of time, in our opinion. So we think it's right for the Fed to be moving uh, further off of zero. We think it doesn't have to be a bad thing for the economy. Uh, it's going to create some volatility in financial markets, no question about it. But we think that's probably the right thing to do, to stabilize growth, to return some normalcy to the economy. We get normalcy. You want that. Vice Chairman Fisher wants that. Chairman Greenspan wants that. And on and on, as we move that vector to normalcy, what will be the ramifications to portfolio volatility, even if the portfolio is diversified. So portfolio volatility will be going up, and that has to be sort of one of the, you know, the key tenets of uh, of your outlook. Yield here. up, price down. There'll there'll be two way action, just like we've seen this year. You'll mm-hmm. have choppiness in the markets. You'll certainly have. Uh, Use the VIX as a proxy. We think the VIX will spend most of its time around twenty rather than the low teens for the next few so, years. Folks, that that's the statement of the week. For all of you, you know, we do all this mumbo-jumbo on economics and that. What Scott Mather just told you is extremely important. The complacency and lassitude that we've seen is not going to be there. That's, that's right. So, it's gonna, you know, this adjustment uh, process is going to uh, result in a lot of financial market volatility. Probably not as much real ec- economic volatility as people are concerned about, though. And that's what we've seen so far. Look at the, look at the drawdown, the volatility we had in August and September. You know, had no appreciable effect on underlying economic momentum. Uh, probably the same thing is true of, of what happened in January and February. Well, that's interesting because um, even some Fed people have started uh, looking at those numbers and, and, and what happened and saying it may have an impact. And you have people saying, well, inflation expectations appear to have become unmoored by looking at the markets. You seem to be taking issue with that. Well, I'm taking issue with that a bit. I think uh, one of the one of the features of zero rate policy, low rate policy, and, and certainly negative interest rate policy is it pulls down nominal yields. 
we would say that also pulls down inflation expectations embedded in the bond market. Uh, you know, nobody really talks about that too much, but just mechanically, mm-hmm. if you pull down the you know ten-year nominal yield, you decompose it into inflation and real components. You know, it's 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 illogical to assume that all the reduction in interest rates can be attributed to the real component. You sort of will have to also pull down the expected inflation component. I'm going to tease forward to equity. We saw Honeywell UTX. That fell apart. Are we going to see a lot of M&A this year? I mean, within the dynamics of the, gro- the, the global macro system, do CFOs have a feeding frenzy even bigger than last year? We we would think so. That's a trend that probably continues. You know, when there's low, when there's little top-line growth, everyone... you got to go find it. Uh, yeah. Look for ways to... Is PIMCO going to merge with Franklin? Templeton? Franklin Templeton? <laughs> I think that's quite unlikely. But okay, yeah. thank you. Well, it's a surveillance exclusive. Uh, there, we will make clear that Mr. Mather... Headlines on news is not happening. <laughs> Mr. Mather is not uh, responsible for opining on that for the Pacific Investment Management Company. We're going to come back with Scott Mather, an important discussion. Thrilled he's in our studios in New York today. We're also thrilled to tell you oil with a better than good week. West Texas, 3480, Brent 3746. Oil crisis over. That's all it means. <laughs> Futures, uh, the market rather, up nine points. All right, time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Donald Trump's Republican presidential rivals say they will support him if he wins the nomination. At last night's debate on Fox News in Detroit, Ted Cruz said he would prefer Trump to either of the Democratic presidential contenders. He also says that he is calling for getting rid of the Internal Revenue Service. When we get rid of all the corporate welfare, all the subsidies, all the carve-outs in the IRS code, It dramatically simplifies it. And under Obama, the IRS has become so corrupt and so politicized, we need to abolish it altogether. We will bring you more on the Republican presidential race from former nominee Mitt Romney, who will speak with Bloomberg Politics Managing Editor Mark Halperin at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Television and Radio. Federal and state authorities are looking for the source of a mysterious blood infection blamed for 18 deaths in Wisconsin. French aviation investigators are looking into a report that a drone narrowly missed a passenger plane during its approach to Paris's Charles de Gaulle Airport. The co-pilot spotted the drone within about 16 feet of the wing of the Airbus A320 as it came in for landing. The incident happened on February 19th. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael, thanks so much. Immensely appreciated. See you on Monday. We will continue. Scott Mather with us with PIMCO as we uh, look for the week forward, what to think of in economics, finance, investment. Don't forget Mitt Romney, 130, with Mark Halperin worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch, committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon. Named the most innovative investment bank for climate change and sustainability by The Banker. That's Power of Global Connections, Bank of America, N.A., FDIC.